You're listening to the midweek service from Harvest Bible Church. We hope you enjoy this message from our guest speaker. To learn more about us, please visit harvestbibleonline.org. Well, once again, welcome to Harvest Bible Church on a Wednesday night. And we are just blessed to have all of you here. And uh, just thank God for that. Amen. Tonight's a very special night. We have Reverend uh, Larry Hutton with us here. He's just a tremendous blessing. And uh, he's ministered for us many, many, many times. And he's a very, very dear friend of mine. And we're just going to turn him loose. Let him go and let God be God here. He's going to be here tonight, but he's also going to be here this coming Sunday morning too. So, Brother Larry, go ahead and come on. Hallelujah. Just do what God wants done. Hallelujah. Amen. Give a good warm instrument. Praise God for him there, my friend. All right. Am I on? Test one, two, three. Am I turned on yet? One, two, three, four. Test one, two, three, four. Am I on? Turn me up. <laughs> Hallelujah. There we go. We're coming up now. There you go. All right. Good evening, family. Good to be back with my family here in Lodi, Stockton area. Well, I guess this is officially Stockton. I don't know. This address, is this Stockton? My hotel is Lodi. And, okay. All right. So anyway, it's good to be back with you guys and a couple new faces I don't recognize. How many of you have never heard me preach before? Let me see your hands real quick. All right. There are a few of you. So I've been coming here longer than you have. <laughs> I've been coming here a long time. Pastor and I go back to 1983. So we go way back. I know we don't look that old, but, but yeah, we go, we go way back. So but anyway, Liz sends her love. She wished she could come. Uh, uh, update, you know, when we were here June last year, we had just moved. Remember, we just moved to Georgia and just moved in the house that uh, we gutted the kitchen. June of last year, we gutted the kitchen and gutted a laundry room to make it part of the kitchen anyway. And then we ordered cabinets in July, and the cabinets just came in last week. Yeah, we've literally been living without a kitchen for a year. My wife is a trooper, I'm telling you. I'm so proud of her. I, although she's really, she's about had it up to here now without a kitchen, so she's ready. But a uh, week after next, the, the, actually they came in, the cabinets came in, they've been all put together, and now the cabinet installer is coming in about eight, nine days to install. So we're looking forward to having a kitchen pretty soon. Be nice. So anyway, Liz had to stay home and take care of business on that end because of the appliances having to be delivered and all the other things that have to take place now for the kitchen. So anyway, she sends her love and looks forward to coming. And in fact, I think I got an ultimatum from Pastor Pam. Now, she hasn't told me this yet, but I got it through the grapevine, uh, her hubby grapevine. But uh, I was told by Pastor Pam that I cannot come and preach for you anymore without bringing Liz. So is, that's true. See, pastor said it's true. So, so I guess I'm going to have to let Liz know, honey, you, you know I've got to go, so that means you have to go. So praise God. But I'm excited about what God's doing, and, and I'm tell, I don't know if any of y'all are following. Of course, if you watch mainstream media, you won't hear it on any channels. But what's going over and on in Israel right now and um, and. Iran and all the stuff. I mean, we are setting, seeing set up for the Ezekiel 38 war, which happens after we're out of here, by the way. We are seeing things happen now like has never, ever happened in history. And then the same thing here in this nation with, I mean, you're seeing people call evil things good and calling good things evil. In this nation, like, I mean, they're not even trying to hide it anymore. They're, they're, they're saying things that are sin are good and things that are good are sin and just I mean it's like the Bible says a, a, a reprobate mind is how the Apostle Paul put it a reprobate mind and then the Apostle Paul said void of judgment you're actually seeing politicians different people telling lies I mean blatant outright lies and they think it's true that's what's crazy I mean they'll they'll call you and I crazy people if we believe in Jesus, they want to take away our religious freedoms and stuff. It's not going to happen, by the way. We've got some great things in store, I'm telling you. Uh, I'll probably be sharing some of them maybe on Sunday with you and some prophetic things the Lord showed me. So uh, we are in for a wonderful ride. If you follow Jesus now, 
It's going to be tough in the world. I'm telling you, there's going to be a lot. The Bible even tells us things are going to wax worse and worse. You're going to have a thousand fall at your side and 10,000 at your right hand. That's worse than 9-11. Things are going to happen that are not going to be fun to see, but you and I are going to have to be the light of the world during these dark times. And the light shines for the people to come to the light, and we're going to see billions of souls saved before Jesus splits the clouds. So it's an exciting time for us that walk with Jesus to be alive. So I'm excited, and my wife's excited. We've we got a lot of things in store, and so um, I'll share more, more things on Sunday just for more of the family to hear so I don't have to say it a couple different times. But uh, let's open our Bibles tonight. I've got just a real good word from the Lord. In fact, the Lord gave me this word for the body of Christ at the beginning of the year, and so I get to share it with my family here now. But uh, you turn to Ephesians chapter 6. What I want to discuss with you is something that God says you're supposed to be doing now. Everybody say now. now. And if you get a hold of this, it'll actually change the way you get out of bed in the morning. It'll change the way you approach every day in your life. It's something that God says now. And, and when you think about it, we're supposed to live in the now. A lot of people live in their yesterdays, and it just messes them up. And then other people try and live in their tomorrows. Well, what are we going to do? What's going to happen? How are we going to make it? And that messes them up. But what does God have to say about now? What what does he say about approaching your life today? Well, let's start here in Ephesians chapter 6 and let's look at verse 10. Ephesians 6, 10, where Paul says, Finally, my brethren, so he's talking to you and those of us that know Jesus. Finally, my brethren, be strong in the Lord and in the power of his might. Interesting statement he makes here. He says, be strong in the Lord and the power of his might. Paul is actually writing this letter from prison, writing to encourage believers. He's the one in prison, and yet he's doing the encouraging. (laughs) And that's because a lot of people are in prison themselves. They may be in prison to, to their thoughts. They may be in prison to their physical illnesses. They may be imprisoned financially. So I think Paul's trying to tell the Ephesians and us, because this is written for us as well, uh, how to get out of our prisons. So the, the first word he uses in this verse is the word finally. The word finally here in the Greek, and we would use it also in the English language, the word finally used here ties in uh, what he's getting ready to say with what has already been said prior to this. Finally. So... When you and I, before I go any further on that, when you and I look at this, this chapter and this verse, we think of uh, chapters and verses, whereas this was actually just one letter from the Apostle Paul to the church at Ephesus. It wasn't divided into chapters and verses. So in order for us to get the most out of this word, finally, you would really need to understand the synopsis of what was spoken until he gets to this, what we call 6th chapter and 10th verse. So I decided before I came, I was going to write down a quick synopsis and just go through chapter 1, 2, 3, 4, 5, and just the, the synopsis of we, each one. And I think it'll give you a clear picture of what we're going to read after he says finally here. So let me, let me read what I wrote down here. In chapter 1, Paul talks about our redemption. Then he talks about our inheritance. Then he talks about how the Holy Spirit has sealed us and guaranteed us an eternity with Jesus. Hallelujah. Then he talks at the end about how to pray for other Christians and how to pray for yourselves. In fact, if you have not written this down, uh, Ephesians, you might want to make a note of this. This is how to pray for other Christians, your family members, how to pray for yourself. Ephesians chapter 1, verses 15 through 23. So if you've never written that down, make a note of it. Ephesians 1. 15 through 23 is a prayer you should pray for on a continual basis for yourself and for your spouse and for family members and friends. Then in chapter 2, Paul talks about how salvation is by grace through faith. Then he talks about how Jesus is our peace. He's our Prince of Peace. Then he talks about how he abolished the hostility of the law that it produced and, and how he has now made us one body in Jesus. Then he talks about how we have access to the Father because we are citizens and members of the household of God. Amen. Hallelujah. 
Then in chapter 3, he talks about how God used the apostles and prophets to speak by revelation and make known the mysteries and manifold wisdom of God. He talks about how we now have access to Jesus and how we should come to him with boldness and confidence at all times. And then at the end of the chapter, he actually gives us another model prayer, like the first prayer in chapter 1. He gives us another model prayer, how to pray for yourself and pray for others. And that's his verse 14 through 19. So make a note of that as well. If you really want to pray the way you're supposed to pray, then write this down, Ephesians chapter 3, verses 14 through 19. It's a model prayer, one you can pray over yourself, one you can pray over your spouse and other friends and family. Then in chapter 4, Paul talks about how we're to walk in humility and modesty and gentleness and patience and endurance and steadfastness and perseverance. Then he talks about how we're all one body with one Lord, one faith, one baptism, and one God who is the Father of us all. Then he talks about how after Jesus ascended that he released God's grace and gave us ministry gifts, five ministry gifts, apostles, prophets, evangelists, pastors, and teachers. And he tells us that those gifts are given to equip the believers so that they can get out and do the work of the ministry and that the body of Christ can grow up. Then he talks about how we're supposed to be adults in Jesus, not children, and not follow after false doctrines. There's a lot of those nowadays. And by acting like grown-ups, that'll cause each one of us to do our part to keep the body together, joined by the love of God. Then Paul talks about how we as uh, Christians are supposed to stop acting like sinners and start acting like the new man that we really are, holy and righteous. He talks about not, not giving place to the devil, how not to give place to the devil. He talks about only allowing good things to come out of our mouths, otherwise we grieve the Spirit of God. And then he ends by saying, we, in Ephesians 4.32, he ends by saying, Be kind to one another, tenderhearted, forgiving one another, even as Jesus has forgiven you. Then in chapter 5, he starts talking about how we're supposed to live our life imitating God and stop imitating the unsaved. Don't partake of their lifestyles. He says that now you're a child of light and you should have no business engaging in the unfruitful works of darkness. Then he talks about using our time wisely, and instead of getting drunk on wine, he tells us how to stay filled with the Spirit by speaking and singing the Word of God and by giving uh, thanks to God continually. And then he talks to husbands and wives about how to love each other, respect each other, and submit to one another in God's love. And then he comes to this sixth chapter, and he tells those of us who have parents to uh, listen to them, give heed to godly instructions, and to honor them. Doing so will cause things to go well with us and it will extend our lives on the earth. I've seen so many people get messed up lives because they don't honor their parents. People say, well, my, my mom, my dad wasn't honorable. God didn't say honor them if they're honorable. He didn't say honor them if they've been good to you. He didn't say honor them and be good to them if, if they deserve it. No, he didn't say that at all. He said honor them that it would be well with you. Kind of sounds like it has more to do with you than them. Amen. And doing so will cause things to go well with you and extend your life in health and prosperity. Anyway, then Paul talks to those of us that maybe you work for someone. Maybe you have a boss, you have a supervisor, you have someone over you. And he tells you to work for them as though it is Jesus you are working for. And he actually says if you'll do that, then Jesus will make sure he's the one that will reward you. Again, it has more to do with you. But anyway, after all of that, it brings us to this 10th verse where he says, finally. Everybody say, finally. Finally. The word finally here is actually an adverb in the Greek language. An adverb, if you've not studied English, it's a modifier. It can modify a a verb. It can modify an adjective. It can modify a preposition. It can uh, modify a sentence. And so... For example, let me give you an example of a modifier. So we could use the sentence, a short two-word sentence, and say, he ran. And then we could uh, add a modifier. We could say, he ran quickly. The word quickly is an adverb, so it modifies the verb. It tells you how he ran. Uh, An adverb can tell you how, but it can also tell you when he ran. Like you could say, he ran yesterday. 
uh, can tell you where he ran. You could say, well, he ran to the store, he ran to Walmart, whatever. You could say it like that. An adverb can tell you how often he ran. You could say, you know what, he ran every day this week. And so I think you're uh, getting an understanding of what I mean by adverb here when he says finally. It's really, when he says finally here, it's more like an adverbial phrase because he says, finally be strong in the Lord. So he's adding a modifier to all the things that he previously said to do in those previous five chapters leading up to this statement. In other words, he's saying, listen, I'm adding a modifier so that you'll know the what, when, where, why, and how, so that you'll be able to do all the things that I already said. Well, let me make it real simple. In other words, you're going to have to be strong to walk in your redemption. You're going to have to be strong to receive your inheritance. You're going to have to be strong to pray for others. You're going to have to be strong to allow Jesus to be your peace at all times. (laughs) You're going to have to be strong to still come to Jesus with boldness and assurance when you've screwed up. Don't shout me down. Come on now. You're going to have to be strong to not follow after religious fads. You're going to have to be strong to act like the righteous and holy person that you really are. You're going to have to be strong to not give place to the devil. You're going to have to be strong to only allow good things to come out of your mouth. You're going to have to be strong to be kind to one another, tender-hearted, forgiving one another the way Jesus has forgiven you. Are you understanding what I mean by a modifier? Okay, so the first thing Paul says, be strong in Jesus and the power of his might. Be strong in Jesus. Listen, he would not tell us to be strong if we were always strong. He would just say, well, keep being what you are. But for him to say, be strong, then that's telling me there's going to be times that we don't feel strong. We have feelings of weakness, uh, feelings of lack of ability, uh, inadequacy, frustration, uh, hopelessness. But what does he tell us to do? Be strong. Everybody say, be strong. Be strong. You know, we see two words here, but this actually was translated from one Greek word. Let me give you the definitions of this Greek word that's translated here. For those of you that may not know, and maybe those watching uh, online tonight, Uh, The New Testament originally was translated out of the Greek language, so when you look at the Greek, uh, a lot of times it'll give more definitions than just be strong. This actually Greek word gives four different definitions. So here's what this Greek word means that's been translated be strong. Uh, Number one, it means empowered. Number two, it means enabled. Number three, to increase in strength. And then four, be strong. So empowered enabled, increase in strength, and be strong. But it doesn't stop there. The key is not being strong. It's being strong in the Lord. There's the key. See, you are empowered, you are enabled, you are strengthened, and you can be strong because you are in Christ. Kind of reminds me of Daniel 11.32 where it says, the people that do know their God will be strong. Talking about being strong, aren't we? The people that do know their God will be strong and do exploits. Actually, if you read that in the Hebrew, that was the Old Testament, so that was translated out of Hebrew. The Hebrew uh, words there doesn't even have exploits in the definition. Uh, In fact, if you look at the King James translation, that word exploits is italicized, meaning it was not in the original manuscripts. It just read, read, um, the people that do know their God shall be strong and do. It ends right there. So I looked up the Greek, and the word do means to advance or to accomplish. So you're advancing with God, and you're accomplishing things with God. That kind of sounds like you're doing exploits. So it's not that it's bad that they've added the word, but to be strong here, he's letting you know you're going to advance with God, and you're going to accomplish things for God. Turn over to Isaiah 35 with me. Isaiah chapter 35, and the fourth verse tells us... uh, tells those of a fearful heart to be strong and, and not to fear. So let's look at that. Isaiah 35, 4. I'm going to read from the New King James Version. Say to those who are fearful hearted, be strong, do not fear. Doesn't this sound like things we're supposed to be doing? 
All right, be strong, do not fear. Behold, your God will come with vengeance. With the recompense of God, he will come and save you. So be strong. That's what we're looking at in Ephesians 6.10. Be strong in the Lord. Be strong. Here it says, be strong and do not fear. Hmm. Say to those who are fearful hearted. So there were obviously things of that day, just like there are things today in our world, wars and rumors of wars and politics and just economy and and open borders and all kinds of junk going on everywhere. Uh, People can get fearful hearted. I run into them a lot and I'm having to minister to them as I travel. So God says, tell them, be strong and do not fear. Amen. So you and I got to encourage people nowadays. We, we shouldn't be the ones that are fearful hearted. We ought to be the ones strengthening others. But if you are fearful hearted, God's telling you right here, do not fear, be strong. Isn't he telling you that? Amen. All right, look at, um, well, I won't turn there right now. I'll quote it for you. Second, Second Chronicles 32, 7 says, be strong and courageous when facing your enemies because there's more with you than there are with them. That's good, isn't it? And then the Joshua 1, 9, be strong and courageous and do not be afraid or discouraged for the Lord your God is with you everywhere you go. Again, it's all because you are in Christ that you can do what we're, what we're reading in Ephesians six ten. Be strong in the Lord. Well, if any man be in Christ, he's a new creation, right? So I thought, you know what, let me go over some verses. I won't have you turn there just for time's sake so we can cover more tonight. But I'm going to go over some different verses. If you're going to be strong because you're in the Lord, then it's always good to refresh your memory on things that the Bible tells you that you are in the Lord. So I'm going to go over some of them. If you're taking notes, you can write them down. But I'm not going to turn to them. I'm just going to uh, tell you what they say real quick. Romans 3.24 says, Because you are in Christ, you are redeemed and made right with God because of his free, unearned, undeserved grace. Amen. Hallelujah. Romans 8.1 says, Because you're in Christ, you can now live a life free from condemnation. That's good news, isn't it? Romans 8, 38 and 39 says there is nothing you can do or nothing anyone else can do that will ever stop God from loving you. Hallelujah. 1 Corinthians 1, 30 says because you're in Christ, you have all of God's wisdom, all of his righteousness, all of his sanctification, and all of his redemption, and it's available to you now. Not the sweet by and by, now. Hallelujah. 2 Corinthians 2.14 says, because you're in Christ, he always causes you to triumph. In 2 Corinthians 5.19, it says, because you're in Christ, God is not keeping any record of your sins. A lot of people don't know that one. Galatians 3.26 says, your faith in Christ has made you part of God's immediate family. You are a son or a daughter of the Most High God. The creator of all things is your daddy. Hallelujah. Ephesians 1.3 says, because you're in Christ, God has already given you every blessing that's available in heaven while you're on the earth. Hallelujah. Ephesians 2.6 says, because you're in Christ, God has given you a seat in heaven right next to Jesus. You're more like God than you realize. You're not omnipresent like him, but you are in more than one place at once. (laughs) You're here, but you're also seated with Christ in heavenly places right now. That's good news. (laughs) Ephesians 2.10 says, because you are in Christ, God has handcrafted you. He has assigned things for you to do in this life, and he's given you the ability to do them. That's good news. Philippians 2, 5 says, because you're in Christ, you have the mind of Christ, and you can actually operate in Jesus' mental state. That sounds like a sound mind to me, doesn't it? Hallelujah. Now, let's turn over to uh, 2 Timothy chapter 2. 2 Timothy chapter 2 and verse 1. I'm going to read from the New King James again. 2 Timothy 2, 1, you therefore, my son... Be strong. Everybody say, be strong. Be strong strong in the grace that is in, remember where you are, in the Lord, in Christ Jesus. Be strong in the grace that is in Christ Jesus. This is saying because you are in Christ, you can partake of his grace to be strong. 
So in other words, you're not being strong in yourselves and the power of your might. You're being strong in him and the power of his might. You're relying on his grace to do it just like you did to get saved. You didn't rely on your performance, your good works, your good deeds. They were filthy rags to God. You couldn't get right with God to to base anything you did. You had to come to God based on everything Jesus did. And that's how you be strong the same way. In fact, Ephesians 2, 6 says, the way you got saved is the way you walk in him. Well, how did you get saved? By grace through faith. How do you walk in him? By grace through faith. The way you receive Christ Jesus is the way you walk in him. Ephesians 2, 6 again. All right, so we're looking at Ephesians 6, 10, and we'll come back there in a minute. But let's turn over to 1 Corinthians chapter 16. Be strong in the grace that is in Christ Jesus. Whew, I like that. Uh, 1 Corinthians 16, 13. Again, from the New King James says, watch, stand fast in the faith, be brave, and be strong. Watch, stand fast in the faith, be brave, and be strong. So this is something that God has called all of us to do now. If you're wondering what you're supposed to be doing this week and the rest of this year, here's some things that God has commissioned you to do. In fact, four things he said right here. Watch. Stand fast in the faith, be brave, and be strong. Let's talk about these four things for just a minute. Uh, The first thing he says is watch. The Greek word here means to watch. It means to be watchful. It means to stay awake, uh, to be vigilant, uh, to give, listen to this, to give strict attention to, and then to be cautious. Don't just take everything at face value. Don't just take everything because the fake media says it. <laughs> Amen. Stay awake, be watchful, be vigilant, give strict attention, and be cautious is what this word watch means. When you think about all those definitions, the word watch shows us that Satan is going to try and use people and things to bring us down. Isn't that his goal? If you've ever read the parable of the sower, he wants to bring you down. He wants to defeat you. And he's got three types of grounds, the wayside ground, the stony ground, the thorny ground. He'll try and bring you down, try and get that word away from you because that word's your lifeline. It's quick, it's powerful, it's sharper than any two-edged sword. I'm telling you, it is your lifeline. So all of these definition of watch shows us he's going to try and bring you down. In fact, Peter says the same thing over in 2 Peter 5, 8, where he says, be sober Be vigilant because your adversary, the devil, walks about roaring like a lion, seeking whom he may devour. So it says, be sober, be vigilant, kind of like watch here. It's letting us know, stay on your guard. Don't fall for his snares. Don't fall for his traps or his trickery. So 1 Corinthians 16, 13 tells us to watch. The second thing it tells us is stand fast in the faith. The literal Greek says to stay stationary. To be persistent and to persevere. I like that. That's what it actually means, stand fast in the faith, is to stay stationary. In other words, don't let them move you. Don't let them push you back. And then be persistent. Bless God, be, be persistent as a child of God and as a Christian. And then persevere. When it doesn't look like it's working, when it doesn't sound like it's working, when things don't look like they're going the right way, you keep persevering. You don't quit. Amen. So... Really, it's saying stay stationary in your faith, be persistent in what Jesus has made you and given you, and then persevere when things don't go your way. Hallelujah. Don't be moved by what you see, hear, and feel, in other words. You, can, you know, you can change what you see, hear, and feel with the Word of God by releasing your faith in Jesus. Galatians 5.1 says, stand fast in the liberty wherewith Christ has made you free. Well, that's part of what this, this word means right here. Uh, when it says stand fast in the faith, stand fast in Galatians, he's telling them to stand fast and not to get entangled with, uh, trying to keep a bunch of laws from the old Testament to gain God's approval. Listen, Jesus has already gained God's approval for us. Amen. Amen. God's approval is not based on your performance. It's not based on what you do or what you don't do. It is totally based on what Jesus already did for you. Can I hear a big Amen. So 1 Corinthians 16, 13 tells us to watch, that's stay alert, and then he tells us to be persistent or use your faith to persevere and don't be moved by the information obtained through the physical senses. So he says, watch, stand fast in the faith, and then he says, be brave. 
King James uses this phrase, quit ye like men. Say, what? (laughs) Quit ye like men. Well, in our society today, you may hear somebody say it like, be a man or man up. (laughs) What do you mean by man up? Well, quit acting like a wimp. (laughs) Don't, Don't act like a coward. Don't act like a defeated pup. Don't act like the lion on the Wizard of Oz. Anybody watch the Wizard of Oz? If you, if you watch the Wizard of Oz, you know what I'm talking about. He acted like a coward, even though he was a lion. So he acted like a coward until the wizard gave him courage. Once he got courage, he could growl like a lion. So, <laughs> be brave, he's telling us, to be courageous. In fact, 1 Samuel 4, 9 uh, go over there real quick. First Samuel 4, 9. Well, I could just read it to you if you don't want to turn. But First Samuel 4, 9, it says, be strong, just like the words we're looking at. And then it says, quit yourselves like men. Quit yourselves like men and fight. In other words, he's saying, man up. <laughs> be courageous. Quit being a wimp. So I, I thought, you know, be strong and be courageous are a lot of things spoken of in the Bible. In fact, I quoted two of them earlier, but I didn't have you turn there. Go over to 2 Chronicles chapter 32 and verse number 7. 2 Chronicles 32, 7, because God has some things to say about not just strong, being strong, but being courageous. So let's see these. 2 Chronicles 32, 7 says, be strong and courageous. Do not be afraid nor dismayed before the king of Assyria, nor before all the, all the multitude that is with him, for there are more with us than him. Now, before I read this again and get into a little more, we need to understand when we read an Old Testament verse like this, I'm going to remind you of something the Apostle Paul said about the Old Testament stories. In 1 Corinthians chapter 10, I believe it is, verse number 11, he said, all these Old Testament stories are written for us for an example for us to learn from. So we're supposed to read these, and when we see things that would apply to us, we learn from them. And if we see things that don't, then we learn from those as well. Watch this. In 2 Chronicles 32, 7, God says to them, but watch this, and to us, be strong and courageous when facing your enemies. Why? Because there are more with us than there are with them. (laughs) It doesn't look like that, but there are. There are more children of God in the United States of America that love God than there are against us. It may not look that way, but you're seeing a tide arising. You watch. You watch and see. You're going to see it happen. Uh, it kind of reminds me because you can't always see, but like here he says, be strong when facing your enemies. There's more with you than with them. Sometimes it doesn't look like it. It reminds me of 2 Kings chapter 6, verse 16, when Elisha tells his servant, Uh, His servant has gotten up in the morning and he sees the whole city of Dothan surrounded by horses and chariots. And so if you've read the story, you know, the King James says, alas, my master, what are we going to do? It was more like this. Ah, master, we're dead. We're as good as dead. Look at this. (laughs) And, And Elisha says, no, no, no. There's more with us than, than with them. And of course, that didn't make sense to the servant. So Elisha says, Lord, open his eyes. And God opened the eyes of his servant. And the servant saw these horses uh, and chariots of fire all around them, multitudes more than the ones that surrounded the city in the natural. See, you have angels assigned to you. I don't know where this doctrine ever came up that you had one guardian angel and it leaves you when you become an adult. (laughs) No, I think you probably need more when you're an adult than when you had that little kid and parents taking care of. (laughs) But anyway, you got a legion of angels assigned to you. I can't wait. I think when we get to heaven, we are going to get some reruns of life where God shows us all the multitudes of time that he saved our lives by our angels. Yeah, we'd all probably be consumed by here if it wasn't for the mercy of God. Amen. <laughs> Amen. So be strong and courageous. Why? Because God has an army of his angels assigned to help you. You can't see them, but they're here. Now turn over to Joshua chapter 1 verse 9. Anybody get anything? 
Joshua chapter 1, verse 9, where he says, Have I not commanded you? This is not a suggestion. This is not, well, try and see if you can be strong. <laughs> no, he says, I've not, not commanded you. Be strong and of good courage. Do not be afraid. How many times does God tell us over and over and over and over and over, do not fear, do not be afraid? I, I remember one time on Facebook. You know you can't believe everything you read on Facebook. Do you know that, right? Ho- hopefully you know that. Because I was reading one time, and it was a Christian that posted it, and it sounded so wonderful. It uh, wasn't true, but it sounded so wonderful. And they posted, there are 365 fear knots in the Bible, one for every day of the year. And I thought, man, that just sounds so good. But it was so wrong. <laughs> I went through, and I've actually done it two different times. I went through the whole entire Bible and studied every uh, verse that talked about fear or being afraid or being terrified, every, every word associated with fear. And uh, there's actually over 800 times where the Bible mentions the word fear in some form, but there's 167 times that it directly you and I are told to not fear. And it's not 365, but you don't need 365. You only need about two or three, actually. But if he tells you 167 times, do not fear, it sounds like we cannot fear. Amen. 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 I know some of y'all heard me when I was giving this testimony before. I was driving across the panhandle of Texas one time, and I was praying in the Spirit, just seeking the Lord. I was heading to a church that I was going to be preaching at the next day. And uh, all of a sudden, the word of the Lord came to me. It was almost like an audible voice. And he said, if you won't allow fear in any area of your life, no curse can operate in any area of your life. So true. Fear opens the door for the devil to work. Fear is faith opposite. It's faith in the devil and his works. That's all fear is. It's just negative faith. It's believing something that the devil's saying instead of believing something that God says. Amen. Amen. And I'll share with you uh, Sunday. How many of y'all going to be here Sunday morning? All right, you won't want to miss it because I'm going to show you. I got attacked last year with cancer. And pastor saw the picture, but there, a, a tumor grew on the side of my face when the cancer attacked me. I'm going to show you a picture of it Sunday morning, and then I'm going to tell you what I did I didn't go the medical route, no medicine, no doctors, but I'm going to tell you what I did so that you'll know you can follow me as I follow Christ. Amen. When Paul said that, he's letting us know, listen, as long as I'm following Christ, you should follow the way I'm, the way I'm walking. Amen. That means if I'm not following Christ, don't follow me. But if I am, then I'm supposed to be an example for you to follow after. Amen. Amen. Yeah. So I'm going to share that on Sunday morning. But when God says, be strong and of good courage and do not be afraid and then do not be dismayed. So that's, that's being depressed or discouraged. He says, do not. For the Lord your God is with you everywhere you go. So that, that you need to circle that word for, F-O-R. Circle it, highlight it. I underlined it in my leather Bible and in my electronic Bible. I got that word for highlighted and underlined for. Here's the reason that I can be strong. Here's the reason that I can have great courage, be bold and confident. Here's the reason that I will not be afraid of anyone or anything. And I will not be depressed or discouraged or stressed or fearful. We're not because God is with me everywhere I go. Maybe you don't take that seriously like I do, but this isn't religion to me. On my daily television program on a regular basis, I'm telling the viewers if they're watching, my my program is called Limitless, Life with Jesus, Limitless. And um, I tell them all the time, I said, now if you're just watching me for the first time, you're not watching a religious program. This is not about religion. All the religions of the world serve dead gods. This is about a relationship with a living, risen Jesus Christ. He is real, and he wants to live in you and through you. Amen. Amen. So this is the real deal. This is why I laid down my life. This is why I live in hotels and live in restaurants and live on airplanes and live in car rentals. And I've been doing it for 40 years and still love it. It's because this is the real deal. This isn't some religious thing to me. This is life and life more abundantly. Hallelujah. About ready to run around the the auditorium here in a minute. (laughs) Woo! Glory to God. So... 
So be strong, be courageous, don't be afraid, for, why? The Lord's with you everywhere you go. Yeah, Brother Larry, but I don't feel like he is. Well, that's why we just read a few minutes ago, be persistent in your faith. Don't walk by sight, walk by faith. Can I hear an amen? Amen. All right, turn to Deuteronomy 31.6, Deuteronomy chapter 31, and verse number 6, and then we'll go back to Ephesians. Deuteronomy 31.6, be strong, wow, just keep seeing the same thing over. You think we'd get it. Be strong and of good courage. Do not fear. Do not be afraid of them. For the Lord your God, he is the one who goes with you, and he will never leave you nor forsake you. Wow. Be strong and of good courage. Do not fear nor be afraid of them. Whoever them is, it doesn't matter. Them governments, them terrorists, them enemies, them children, them relatives, them whoever. (laughs) Do not be afraid of them because God is with you. He's going to go with you and he's not going to leave you and he's not going to forsake you. Okay, back to Ephesians. Let's go back to Ephesians. Chapter 6 and verse 10 where we started. Ephesians 6, 10. Finally, my brethren, be strong in the Lord and in the power of his might. Be strong in the Lord and the power of his might. Be strong. Now listen, the only way you can be strong is in the Lord or in Christ. And of course this verse says because you are in Christ, then the power of his might is on the inside of you. In fact, let me show you another verse. Hold your place here in Ephesians. I'll I'll bring you right back. But go over to Micah. Go over to Micah chapter 3 with me. And look at verse number Micah 3, 8. This is something an Old Testament prophet said, and he did not have God living on the inside of him. How many of you are born again and the Spirit of God lives in you? So the greater one is in you, right? 1 John 4, 4, greater is he that's in you than he that's in the world, right? All right, so look what Micah said, but he didn't have the greater one like you do on the inside. And look what he said. But truly, Micah 3, 8, but truly I am full of power by the Spirit of the Lord and of judgment and of might to declare unto Jacob his transgression and to Israel his sins. Micah said he was full of power and full of might and didn't have the Spirit of God on the inside of him like you do. How much more are you full of God's power and full of God's might? Come on now. How much more? So much more. In fact, this reminds me, if you've ever read in Judges, the sixth chapter, when it talks about Gideon, In the 11th verse of Judges 6, God calls Gideon a mighty man of valor. Mighty man of valor. Now, if you've ever ever read the story, when, when God called him a mighty man of valor, he was not acting mighty at all. He was acting like a wimp. He was in a ditch. Down in a a cubby, down in a ditch, and he was hiding from the Midianites, and he was complaining to God. (laughs) And God said, you mighty man of valor, rise up, mighty. Well, you know, God does call those things that be not as though they are. In that Romans chapter 4, verse 17, he calls those things that be not as though they are. Let me give you my paraphrase of that. God calls those things that don't appear to be real, but in truth they are real because God said so. That's God calling things that be not as though they are. God calls those things that don't appear to be real, but in truth they are real because God said so. That's, that's faith right there, and that's what you and I are supposed to do. All right, turn over to Deuteronomy chapter 10. I know I keep saying we're going back to Ephesians, but Deuteronomy 10. Wow, so good. Deuteronomy ten seventeen. For the Lord your God is God of gods, the Lord of lords, to gr- a great God, a mighty and a terrible. That word terrible means awe-inspiring or to be revered. So he's terrible, uh, no respect of persons, and cannot be bribed. Notice this says that God, the God that lives in you, is mighty. If God lives in you and he's mighty, then you have God's might on the inside of you. So here in Ephesians, back to Ephesians, when it says, be strong in the Lord and the power of his might, you can be strong because you have his might in you. 
The 112th Psalm in verses 1 and 2 says, Blessed is the man who uh, fears the Lord, delights greatly in his commandments. His seed, that's you and me, shall be mighty on the earth. Why can we be mighty? Because the mighty one lives in us. All right, turn over to 2 Corinthians chapter 10. 2 Corinthians chapter 10. And let's read three verses here, verse 3, 4, and 5. We're talking about being strong, being mighty, because you're in Jesus. 2 Corinthians 10, 3, For though we walk in the flesh, and in this natural body, we do not war according to the flesh. For the weapons of our warfare are not carnal, but mighty in God for pulling down strongholds, casting down arguments and every high thing that exalts itself against the knowledge of God. That's talking about the mental realm. Bringing every thought into captivity to the obedience of Christ. So it says, the weapons, verse 4, the weapons of our warfare are not carnal, but mighty. They're not carnal. If you look up this word carnal in the Greek language, it says, not of human origin. So this isn't man-made weapons here that you're getting to fight with. Your armor is mighty because it's God's armor. Your weapons are mighty because they're God's weapons. Romans thirteen twelve says you have the armor of faith. 2 Corinthians 6, 7 says you have the armor of righteousness. Ephesians 6, 16 says you have the armor of faith. And then the next verse, Ephesians 6, 17 says you have the sword of the Spirit and the Word of God. And according to Hebrews 4, 12, they are alive and powerful. Hallelujah. You know, I was thinking earlier today, it's interesting that with all of this might and all of this power that's available to those of us who are born again, those of us who are saved, those of us who have accepted Jesus, all of this might and power is available to every Christian, yet so many believers are living defeated, woe is me type lifestyles. So I ask the question, why? Why would they be living defeated lifestyles? Well, because even though God is in you, and even though his power is in you, and even though his might is in you, and even though his strength is in you, you still have to be a doer of the word. Somebody says, well, what word, Brother Larry? Well, at least this word, be strong. There's plenty of words, but here's one right here. You have to start acting like what God said is true, and that it is true no matter how you feel, No matter how you've been treated by others, no matter what is going on in society, God says, be strong. He says, be strong. So if God says, be strong, then there has to be an enablement from him to be strong. This is what people don't understand about the grace of God. See, they they understand it when they get saved. Do I need to stay up here for the camera? (laughs) Sorry. Can you still see me? (laughs) Uh, People got a hold of it when they got saved. Okay. Confess Jesus as your Lord and Savior. Believe in your heart. God raised him from the dead. Ah, I'm saved. I didn't have anything to do with it except believing that what Jesus did has been done. So it was all by grace through faith. Then when it comes to all these other, be strong. Okay, I'll try. I'll, I'll really. No, no, no. Quit trying. Rest. Rest. Faith is a rest. Hebrews 4 says, we which believe enter into rest. You've got to rest just like you rested to get saved from sin and became the righteousness of God. Now you've got your names written in the Lamb's Book of Life and you're going to heaven when you die. The same way you've got to rest in be strong. He said, be strong. Okay, well, all right, I'll be strong. He said, be strong. So that means I am enabled when I believe what Jesus said, when I believe what the word of God says, that's when the enablement. If you would not have believed Jesus was Lord and confessed him with your mouth that he raised from the dead, you would not be saved. You had to believe what he did for you and what he said. When you believe what he said, be strong. Okay, then bless God, I am strong. I think then you'll get the the, uh, gist of what Joel, the Old Testament prophet said. Where is it? Joel 3.10. Let the weak say, I am strong. Oh, y'all know that verse, huh? (laughs) And that's an Old Testament verse. Oh, I got to get up here for y'all. That's an Old Testament verse, an Old Testament prophet. Let the weak say. Uh Aha, I think he got some revelation that a lot of New Testament people don't have. Speak, speak, speak. You got to speak when you pray. You got to speak when you praise. You got to speak to get your faith working. You got to speak to create. 
You got to speak to release life or you got to speak to release death. Life and death are in the power of the spoken words out of the tongue, out of your mouth. Man, I'm doing some good preaching tonight. (laughs) I'm I'm preaching me happy. I'm telling you, let the weak say. Why are you supposed to say it so you don't stay weak? I am. Well, Brother Larry, how can I say I'm strong when I feel weak? Because God said you're strong. Either you're lying or he's lying. And since it's impossible for him to lie, you liar. (laughs) Quit lying. (laughs) Start saying what God says. And here's the cool thing. Just like when you got saved, he empowered his righteousness to come inside you and recreate you and make you right with God by grace. Guess what? When you all of a sudden say, you know what? I am strong because God said be strong. So I'm strong. All of a sudden, his grace will flow and empower you to be what you can't be on your own. Do what you can't do on your own. Have what you can't get on your own. His grace is sufficient in every realm of your life. (sighs) Glory to God. Where is it? Acts 17, 28. In him... We live. This is how you be strong is in him. In him we live strong. In him we move strong. In him we have our being strong. It's in him. Let me close tonight over in Hebrews chapter 13. I'll close over here. Hebrews chapter 13. Thank you, Lord Jesus. Hebrews chapter 13. I want to start at the middle of verse 5 because we know there were no verses or chapter divisions when they... This was written, so I'm just going to start at the middle of verse 5 where, where it says, God has said, because I want you to see something here. It says, God has said, this is Hebrews 13, 5, we could say 5b, <laughs> the middle of the verse. God has said, I will never leave you or forsake you. Of course, we saw that several verses already, haven't we? God said, I will never, does never mean never? never. I think God means what he says, it says what he means. He said, I'll never leave you, I'm never going to let you down. So that we may boldly say, the Lord is my helper. I will not fear what man can do to me. So it sounds like you're going to have to say some things. I want you to get what what it says. This tells you how to be strong right here. He said, God has said, I will never leave you nor forsake you. So that we may boldly say, the Lord is my helper, not fear what man shall do. God has said. I'll never leave them for sake. So that we may boldly say, Lord's my helper on heaven. God has said, so that we may boldly say. God God didn't say it so that there would not be a blank place in the Bible. (laughs) He didn't say it to fill up space. God has said, I'll never leave you nor forsake you. So that, here was the purpose of God saying it. Here's the purpose of every written word of God that's in the Bible for you and me. God hath said so that we will get what he said, get it in our heart, and then put it in our mouth and release it out of our mouth. That's when grace flows. Amen. And you're nothing without his grace. Second right. right. Corinthians 3.5 says, We are not sufficient as of to think anything of ourselves. But it doesn't stop there. The end of that verse says, But our sufficiency is of him. In other words, his grace is what makes us sufficient. His grace is what puts us over in life. Whether it's healing grace, when that cancer attacked my body last year, I just partook of healing grace. I refused to fear. I had fear come against me. I'll give you the whole testimony on Sunday but, and, and show you the picture. But I'll tell you what, I, in fact, my best friend here sitting on the front row called Pastor Mark, he was the first one I called. You know why I called him? Because I know he's a faith guy like me. And I knew he'd get in faith with me. He didn't say out of his mouth when I told him about it and I sent him the picture of, of the tumor on the side of my face. He didn't say, well, Larry, you better go to the doctor. He didn't say that. He's not against it. Not against going to doctors. He and I both, we send people to doctors to keep them alive till we get the word in them. So we're not against doctors. So don't go out of here and say that. I'm just going to give you my testimony on Sunday about I partook of healing grace, just like I partook of financial grace to get all out of debt, just like I've partaken of emotional grace so I don't ever have discouraged days, stress-filled days, strife-filled days. I have moments of all of those things. 
But God, God showed me many years ago, decades ago now, He showed me when the moment comes of stress or the moment of strife or the moment of depression or discouragement or bad temper, anger, hurt, feeling, when that moment thought, it's just a thought. You couldn't even have them without a thought. But when the moment comes, He showed me how to not build a monument. He showed me how to keep it a moment and not build a monument. Most people build monuments with their stress and their depression, and their discouragement, and their hurt feelings and their unforgiveness and all that stuff. But I refuse because Jesus, when he went to the cross for me, bore all of my negative emotions on the cross just like he bore my sin, just like he bore my disease, just like he bore my fear, just like he bore every curse for me. Amen. I get to live in a continual state of in the garden Amen. before sin. That's the state I live in. So that means when you, when you have all hell break loose, and we all have all hell break loose, it's all breaking loose around us all the time. But it doesn't matter because when you walk through the valley of the shadow of death, that's all hell breaking loose. When you walk through the valley of shadow, you know what God does? Right in the middle of the valley when it seems like things are getting worse and things are looking really bad, he sets a table up, he puts dinner for you, and he says, sit down and have a meal with me. That is so cool. He prepares a table before you. Right, This is the chef of heaven, folks. He prepares a table before you in the midst of your enemies. Plural. But guess what? There are more with you than there are with them. So you just keep walking. It doesn't say you, get, you camp in the valley of the shadow of death. It didn't say you get defeated in the valley. It says you walk through the valley. How are you walking? By faith and not by sight. So while you're going through, you stop and have a meal with daddy. Get back up and keep on going. And you walk by faith and not by sight. And you never get depressed. And you never get discouraged. That's how, that's the reason. People, people that don't know me, they, they maybe listen to a testimony that I give something. Or maybe they see me on the platform like this and say, well, you know, he just really thinks he's hot stuff. No, no, no. I'm nothing without Jesus. I know it. I know what I was before, before I received Jesus. So, in fact, if I was God, I wouldn't have even picked me. I'm not the sharpest knife in the drawer. <laughs> I was a good athlete, but I wasn't the best athlete. I was good in school, but I wasn't the best in school. I wouldn't have picked me. <laughs> so I, I know it has nothing to do with me, but see what gives me boldness and gives me confidence is because I put all my bar marbles in one basket and his name is Jesus. Yeah. All of my, who I am, what I have, what I can do is in Jesus. And that so gives me so much confidence that then people see a boldness, a, a bulldog tenaciousness, a non-quit. I don't care if all hell breaks loose. I don't care if cancer attacks my body like it did my grandmother's body and like it does other people. I don't care what happens. I will win over everything that attacks me. I will win because Jesus has already won it for me. <laughs> so when I know that I cannot be defeated if I don't quit, then I'm just not quitting. And here's how I look at it. I'm, I'm trying to close, but y'all keep pulling more out of me here, so stop. <laughs> but let me, let me try and close with this. So here's the way I face every battle. I don't care if it's a financial battle, a physical battle, cancer attacking my body. I don't care if it's whatever, whatever kind of battle in whatever realm you want to mention. When I enter a test in a trial of life, a hardship, I enter with this thought in mind. And I'm continually thinking this thought oh, every day when I get out of bed. This is a day the Lord has made. I'm going to rejoice and be glad in it. I'll not forget his benefits. He forgives all my sins, heals all my diseases, redeems my life from destruction, crowns me with loving kindness and tender mercy, satisfies my mouth with good things so my youth renewed like the eagles. So with all of that together, here's the way I face a test and a trial when I enter it. I get, when I face it, come into the test or the trial, I look at it. And I see the other side. In other words, I see the end from the beginning. I may just be starting the test or trial, but I already know the end is I win. Amen. So I'm going into the test as a winner, and I'm coming out the test as a winner, so I already know what I'm going to do through the test. Win, win, win. Because <laughs> I'm a winner. That's what, I, that's what God's made me. 
And that's what he's made you. And that's why you can be strong. Not in yourselves and the power of your might. You can be strong because you are in Jesus. Can I hear an amen? Amen. Was this all right tonight? Hallelujah. Father, I pray for my family now and pray for all those that are watching. Lord, if there's anyone here that's not a Christian already, they have, to be, they have to receive Jesus to be strong like we're talking about, Lord, and to be a winner and overcomer. So if they're here and they've never accepted Jesus, or if they're watching online and have never accepted Jesus, Father, the Bible says, it is written, today is the day of salvation. Yes. So that word alone right there, for somebody to believe that, will, will cause grace to flow and empower them to be a child of God this, this day or this night. So, Father, if somebody's watching or somebody's in here and they've never accepted Jesus, the Bible says today is the day of salvation. Right now is the accepted time. So, Lord, I pray that not one person in the, within the sound of my voice would reject Jesus, but everyone would accept him because today is their day. And I thank you for that, Father. And now, while heads are bowed and eyes are closed, Christians, if you're just in an attitude of prayer with me, uh, if there's anyone here tonight, you've come and you've never accepted Jesus and you would like to, slip your hand up high enough that I can see it. Once I see it, I'll acknowledge it. You can put it right back down. But if you've never accepted Jesus and you want to tonight, just slip your hand up so I can see it. Anybody in the building? Anybody at all? You lift up your hand. You say, I've never received Jesus, but I would like to tonight. Anybody at all? All right, you can lift up your head, open your eyes and look at me. If you're watching online right now and, and maybe you lifted your hand, you say, man, yeah, I, I've never accepted Jesus. The Bible says in Romans ten thirteen, whosoever, that includes everybody, by the way, whosoever calls on the name of Jesus shall be saved. That's how easy it is, just calling on him. A couple of verses before that, it, it says you believe he's alive. You believe God uh, put his sin, your sins on him, and then he was raised from the dead after he died on the cross. And then it says just call on him because you believe he's alive. Call on Jesus, and he'll be your Lord and Savior. You don't even have to confess your sins. I know a lot of people may try and get you to do that, but you couldn't remember half of them anyway. So don't try and confess your sins. The Bible said, just go ahead and receive Jesus. He, like one guy said before, he, uh, uh, to, to a pastor friend of mine, he said, I can't come to your church. I need to clean up my act before I come to church. And my pastor friend said, no, you don't need to clean up your act to come to God. Just come to God and he'll clean up your act. <laughs> That's the cool thing about Jesus is you come to God just as you are and it, go ahead and receive him. And then he recreates you, wipes away your past, gives you a new slate on life. And then you've got a whole brand new future ahead of you. <laughs> really good one. So if you've never done that, do it now. Just call on Jesus. Say, Jesus, be my Lord and Savior. And then let the church know. HBCStockton.org. Is that right? I got it right. HBCStockton.org. Or, and let us know. LarryHutton.org. LarryHutton.org. That's my name. And we'd love to send you some free stuff. The church will. I will. We'll send you free stuff if you got saved and help your, help your walk with God. Because it's a good walk if you walk with Jesus. All right. Before pastor comes, I'm going to just mention a couple things. I was going to mention some things tonight that I shipped here specifically for you guys. And the UPS box didn't get here today like it was supposed to. It's coming tomorrow. So I'll have stuff here on Sunday. So I happened to bring some leftover stuff from the church I was just at in Roseville, California last Sunday. And so I do have a few things that I will announce that will help you. Uh, divine economics. For those of you that are not out of debt, whether, you, whether you're struggling financially or you have a mortgage, you have credit card debt or car payments, whatever, get a hold of this because if, if I can get people to understand what Jesus did at Calvary and start putting their faith in what Jesus has already done regarding your finances, then everything else works. But if you're tithing and giving and still struggling, it's because you're not understanding you're trying to do something to earn something where Jesus already did everything and earned it all for you. It's a big paradigm shift you've got to get a hold of. So it's called Divine Economics. Three, three CDs in here, uh, th- uh, three hours of teaching. If you don't like CDs and you'd rather get MP3, then you can go to our website, LarryHutton.org, and download it. And then I ran out of these cards last time, so I, I was going to wait till Sunday to announce them, but I thought, oh, I'm going to give the, the faithful Wednesday night folk chance first to get them. So if you didn't get the deck of cards, this deck of cards is 52, just like a regular deck, 52 cards of scripture cards, a scripture on the front, and then on the back is my personal declaration. 
because you got to get the word in your heart and then you got to speak it with your mouth. So these cards are 52 cards that will help you get a hold of the word of God. You can carry the card with you in your pocket, in your purse, in your car, wherever. Speak it all day long and do it one card a week, just one card a week, 52 cards for a year. At the end, of, if you'll do one card a week, at the end of a year, you'll have 52 verses of scripture you can do battle with. And I'll tell you what, it, it, it'll fight for you. God's word is living and it's powerful. So they make great uh, gifts for graduations and birthdays and all kinds of anniversary gifts and stuff. So there are a deck of cards back there. And then I brought a brand new thing that I haven't had here before. I brought a USB drive. How many of you have the Heaven's Health Food CD? Let me see your hands. All right, just maybe a third of you or a quarter of you here. All right, that's, that's right. There were a bunch of people that hadn't heard me before. Our number one selling CD is called Heaven's Health Food. I don't preach or teach at all. All I do is quote scriptures out of the Bible on healing and health. We've had every type of cancer healed while listening to that CD. We've had people raised from the dead coming out of comas where they were clinically brain dead and they came out of comas. We've had uh, hepatitis. We've had AIDS. We've had COVID. We've had all kinds of things healed while listening to that CD. Well, what I did, you can still buy the CD. It's back there on the table. But what I did is I decided I'm going to put that Heaven's Health food on this USB drive and then I'm going to put another one of our uh, recordings called uh, Love Scriptures because faith works by love. If you understand how much God loves you, your faith will blossom. So I put Heaven's Health Food on this and Love Scriptures on it. Now, if you buy them separate, it's 30 bucks, two CDs. But if you buy the USB, it's only 20 So you can save 10 and still get the Heaven's Health Food. And then you can put it on your computer and you can put it in your, your car, just wherever you want. Anyway, that's back there. I'll announce these again on, on Sunday morning, but I wanted to give you guys first opportunity to pick them up if you wanted. So those are all available. And then... I've got a message that's going to light your fire on Sunday morning. I think this lit your fire tonight, actually. <laughs> but I've got a special, special message, a whole different... You know, you guys that know me know that I usually teach in series because that's I'm a teacher. I love teaching on series. But the Lord showed me two different things to teach, totally different, one tonight, one Sunday morning. So Sunday morning, I've got a word from heaven that's going to really, really help you in the days ahead before Jesus comes. So I know, I know you won't want to miss it. So... All right, I love you guys. I'll be back at the product table after Pastor dismisses to shake your hand. Love on you. So.